Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. John Ray here, your host, North Fulton Business Radio. We are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And folks, if you are looking for a better banking experience for your business, and you know what I mean by that, if you're getting big banked, (laughs) well, here's an idea for you, Renaissance Bank. And Renaissance Bank just happens to be one of the top banks in the country as surveyed by Forbes magazine. So if you're looking for a better client experience for your business, then go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. And I think you'll be glad you did. I can give you a testimony about that myself. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome Tony Kimbrough. Tony is the CEO of the Veterans Empowerment Organization. Tony, welcome. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate you having me out today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. Let's talk about you and how you're serving folks at the Veterans Empowerment Organization. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so VEO started in 2008 uh, by a gentleman named Franz Fortune and um, started really on uh, just driving the streets of Atlanta and mm. saw two veterans on the side of the road and uh, really had compassion and wanted to really help. And as you remember, in 2008, we had a great recession right. uh, taking place. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Franz stopped, had a conversation with them and understood that uh, these guys were veterans and all they were looking for was work. And uh, like a lot of Americans, they were looking for work. And Franz had a good relationship with uh, Home Depot general manager right up the road and takes the guys down there and introduces them and um, say, hey, can you find them some work? And he was able to find them some work and help those guys get started on their journey Mm. uh, at that moment Mm -hmm. and came back a few weeks later and just said, Hey, um, what's, what's, uh, what's going on with these guys? And he said, Hey, they're hardworking. They're awesome. uh, But I don't know if they, um, if they showered since you dropped them off. And Franz didn't realize that they weren't also just looking for work, but they were listening, looking for, for housing. And so he put them in their house and, uh, from there, if you can imagine having two gentlemen living in your basement, uh, mm. what your spouse may say and, yeah. and, um, right. and say, hey, you got to figure this thing out. And so uh, figuring that out was the start of Veterans Empowerment Organization, VEO, uh, back in 2008. And so we have a two-acre campus on the west side of Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, where we serve veterans uh, in the space of housing, optimal wellness, and workforce development. And so I said as the CEO, I started there just about a year and a half ago as the CEO of Veterans Empowerment Organization, otherwise known as VEO. And uh, I'm a proud veteran. Uh, Mm -hmm. I served in Afghanistan in 2007, 2008 as a military intelligence officer embedded into an embedded training team, uh, training uh, police officers, um, Afghan police officers, uh, and doing a uh, simultaneous intel mission with uh, the Afghan police uh, and training in Afghanistan. And so I'm proud veteran, I'm yeah. proud um, veteran family. Mm-hmm. And so uh, thank you for you know allowing me to share a little bit of my background and my experience. Absolutely. Um, and thank you for your service and um, not only to our country, but to your fellow veterans. I mean, thank you for that. And, and we're going to hear anxiously hear more on that. Um, 
talk about your journey to VEO. Um, you know what, I mean, you're passionate about your fellow veterans, but talk about your, your journey when you left the military and how you got to VEO. Yeah, I definitely can talk about that, but I think the journey actually goes beyond or before, uh, you know, leaving the military. Let's go there. It starts with my family. Um, I can't, uh, I'm, I'm not sitting here today without, um, all of them, you know, their background in the military, Great grandfather, grandfather, all served, uh, starting World War One on to where we are today. Uh, wow! Where I served in Afghanistan, my aunt uh, served in uh, Iraq uh, simultaneously as we're serving, and so we've been in uh, our family's been in every major conflict um, since World War One, and so there's a there's a history of service in my family, and so mm. uh, really um, that is the, the start of it. And so I went to a military college, the Citadel. Which is in yeah. Charleston, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and from there uh, took a reserve commission uh, and drilled and trained and um, was able to uh, serve in Afghanistan in 2007, 2008, and over there realized you know even more what service means and what we mean around the world. I think we sometimes lose that um, here in America. You mm-hmm. know, we do our day to day and we right. watch the clock and do the things that we do, but you really understand what we mean to the world when we show up on, on their doorstep, mm-hmm. um, what we mean to the enemy, right. but also uh, what we mean for those folks that we're serving abroad mm-hmm. uh, and bringing democracy and bringing uh, freedom and um, to, to countries and to, mm-hmm. to a people. And so um, being able to bring that back home uh, where we are today, where um, I'm able to serve in this capacity at VEO is, is an honor yeah. and uh, one that we take very seriously, but uh, through that experience, really learned a lot about what our veterans and what our servicemen and women go through uh, through a combat experience. And so what we've been doing for the last 20 years, um, you know, in, mm-hmm. in Afghanistan and Iraq, yeah. what our soldiers have faced, uh, being able to see it firsthand, but also being able to to recognize what it looks like. Um, and everybody has a different experience with that. And, and so being able to bring that to VEO uh, as we walk our daily walk with our veterans to help them on their journey back to self, um, you know, sustaining lives. Talk about what your experience as you discharge in the military. And then you see your buddies and, and other comrades that come out, the problems that get, that they face, talk about those. And, uh, that we, we have no way of understanding. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a great, um, great statement. Great question is those problems and those problems are varying. And mm-hmm. that's the, that's the probably the biggest issue that we see is that, you know, depending on their background and their circumstances, where they grew up um, varies on what, the, what that experience looks like. Um, are they, you know, high school degreed or college educated? Did they have a stable uh, background mm-hmm. in their uh, upbringing and all those things come to play when they step on our doorsteps uh, on their journey um, to where they've, where they've landed. And so let's say, let's take an example of a veteran who, um, you know, was discharged after five years, didn't do the full 20 years, but after five years, mm-hmm. uh, grew up in rural America mm-hmm. and um, jumped out of airplanes and beat up their back and their legs. And um, now they're having to, 
figure out their medical care. And mm. so waiting in line for the VA for, um, you know, back surgeries or knee surgeries, um, being prescribed pain medication, and in most cases opioids. And now we create this cycle where they become addicted to opioids and started this downward trajectory. Uh, and then that's where they land on our doorsteps in some cases where uh, to no fault of their own, you know, they were, you know, prescribed and, and the snowball effect occurred. And so sure. our job right there is just to meet them where they are, mm-hmm. understand, you know, their background and how can we help them um, and find that housing, uh, begin to work on the skills they need to be employed again, uh, and then address um, the crisis, the situation around whether it's mental health or substance uh, use disorder, uh, be able to address that and be able to help them overcome that so they can become productive citizens again and the heroes that we know that they are. Sure. Um, one thing that strikes me, um, I would just dare say embarrasses me, is um, how we as, as a society look at veterans differently when they're, let's say, bringing out the flag in the middle of the football field, right? Um, and they're in their dress blues or whatever, right? And um, and the jets are flying over um, versus that veteran who is on the street living in a tent, pup tent somewhere, and, um, you know, asking for um, a few bucks to get a meal. And we look at those two individuals differently right we do um in my eye they're both heroes um Mm -hmm. and it's just their circumstances in which led them to where they're at right and we sometimes we forget um the what we did for that soldier when you look at them in their dress blues and Mm -hmm. their uniform they are always that soldier yeah they're always that service member um they will always be that especially in my eyes um but as you think about military training and we think about what we train our soldiers to do and be, it's the abnormal. Yeah. We train them to be a war fighter, mm-hmm. right? right? We train them how to, in a sense, um, especially today's battlefield, it wasn't a conventional battlefield, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where supply chains were hit. And so somebody who came into the military thinking they're going to run bullets back and forth uh, became infantry men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what that looked like looks very different than our previous combat experiences. And so, um, and so that veteran has experienced war very differently. Mm-hmm. And so mental health where back in the day we called it shell shocked or they were weak or these things, we became sure. more educated and we understand what these mental health issues um, that arise from war combat and multiple um deployments. I mean, you have men and women that were deployed six, seven, eight times to combat zones. Uh, Some of them saw combat, some of them didn't, but just that stress that you put on their family and on, on them, um, you know, you cause all of these burdens that you didn't, you're not really aware of, but Mm -hmm. where we were thinking as a military is that, Hey, we got a warrior that needs to be prepared for combat. We got to train that warrior uh, to react normal to an abnormal situation. Um, we have to prepare them for uh, what's to come on a battlefield. But what we haven't done simultaneously is prepare them for what civilian life is after mm. that. Um, we 
we try to create programs where there's six months transition or a year transition where we provide internships. And these are all great things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the mental aspect of preparing them that mind for civilian, for, for for civilian life is different for, for some of our veterans. And so that's where, when we start to see the difference in the two, Mm -hmm. we have some that were able to cope with that uh, experience and some that are just not, um, Prime example, uh, where I still see the military has an issue with this is um, I have a good friend, one of my best friends, uh, on track to be a general. Uh, He was, let's call it top 5%, and he's been top 5% from the time he was a lieutenant until he's now a colonel. Wow. And so, but, you know, on that journey, he, you know, just recently raised his hand and said, hey, after six deployments, um, after um, my you know, some marital issues and some, just some things that just, you know, what I've seen, he raised his hand and just said, Hey, I'm struggling mentally. Now he's been top five, top 10%. And he's one of the best um, colonels that, you know, our military has seen and mm-hmm. was on his way to, let's call it to, to command the 101st, which is a historical mm. uh, division of the military. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they basically gave him a desk job and said, Hey, you're out. Wow. Um, and so he'll be retiring at the end of this year. And so I think that's where we still see these problems existing. And so we just literally stripped this man of his purpose. Mm-hmm. For the last 20 years, his purpose has been serving the military. Um, and because you raise your hand and say, hey, I, I just want a little help here. It, his performance hadn't lacked. He was still top 10%. Um, but we haven't learned our lesson as a military. And so we be, continue to perpetuate these problems um, and if, if this individual doesn't have the family background and people wrapping their arms around him, um, friends picking up the phone and calling them and ensuring that his mental health and his safety is, is, is there, which he has, he's hopefully going to, you know, matriculate out of the military and be productive in those things, but not every soldier gets that. And so, um, where we need to bring awareness to is is that family dynamic of you know, friends and being aware of of what and what we don't do well is communicate uh, as veterans, right? We're always okay, uh, sure. We're always we're always right, but um, because you got that warrior, and it hasn't been trained out of us. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. always yeah. going to be that way, right? right exactly. I'm always okay. Right. I'm always. Um, because that's what you trained into me. That's yeah. what you made me be. Yeah. Um, which that is my survival mechanism to get through uh, a combat and twenty years of war. Um, as you can see, we we needed that mechanism, and that what makes us the best military in the world um, when we show up on a battlefield. But um, turning us to better civilians when we leave is has to be the same priority. Yeah, and. And, um, yeah, I, I get it that the, the military has a, 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 needs to improve in terms of its outlook on mental health and how to deal with that. This is a societal issue though, right? I mean, it this is. is not just a, uh, issue with the military. This is how we accept individuals that have a mental health diagnosis. Yes. Um, we could talk a lot about that, but, but, but we yeah, yeah, but, uh, that's, that's, um, but let, let's, let's, let's keep going and talk about how you 
do your part to address that and, and the folks that you work with. And, and as you say, some of this begins with uh, just some basics in terms of giving people housing and training and, and, and getting them on the road back to their purpose, right? Yeah, and what I would say is what I love about uh, VEO and our campus is that when a veteran shows up, it's a veteran-only campus. Uh, there, it's, There's no other civilians. It is, And so when they walk onto that campus, um, there's a Vietnam-era Jeep. There are uh, memorials to our POWs mm. and to... Um, there are flags and there's a there's a feel of even in the colors in the makeup of the campus there's a feel of this military um, uh, even there's a watchtower and that's <laughs> it's kind of funny to see that but yeah there's there's a military aura about the campus and so when a veteran comes on they get that uh, right away and then Everyone who's on the campus is another veteran. And so being able to connect with a veteran in that space allows them uh, to be vulnerable uh, and allows them to to open up uh, in due time. Mm-hmm. And we give them that opportunity to open up as we're trying to um, you know, help a veteran with getting their documents in line, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's their DD-214 or compensation or any other military benefit or entitlement that they were entitled to while in the military, we work on that. Even um, wrongful discharge statuses, uh, we help them with that. We oh, wow. We'll, we'll work with them to get to the right lawyers that mm-hmm. can help them overturn discharge statuses. Uh, in some cases, that's because of you know misdiagnosis in the military around mental health. And so... Um, and so we work with them on building that prospect up and also gaining that trust uh, that we're there to support them. And so uh, a lot of our staff and the team members, they're civilian mix, but there's also military mix. And so our our mental health counselors and our uh, licensed professional counselors and the case managers that are working with that veteran uh, begin to build that trust up on that campus. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's when we're able to help them move along their journey, find affordable housing, which is it's tough. I mean, yeah, wow. And so we're helping them find permanent affordable housing. We are, you know, getting them on that journey for mental health assessments and working with um, other veterans and having conversations around their mental health and whether there's medication needed or just other kind of therapies needed to kind of address that. Uh, we help them identify what is needed to to help them be sustainable, and it's directed, you know, what's needed for them. And then, lastly, what's most important here is getting them hired. Yeah, uh, that's why we're on business radio, right? Right, get, right. Get our veterans hired, uh, but also to educate our businesses. Right, they need to understand what they're hiring. Uh, a lot of times, what is presented on a resume is not who uh, they're hiring. They're hiring a leader. Uh, at every aspect, because that's what the military teaches mm-hmm. at every level, uh, not just the colonel who has leadership, that platoon leader who happens to be a sergeant or a sergeant first class has leadership right. or they were in charge of, you know, five or six. Uh, everybody has to take on leadership levels. And that's what makes our you know military very strong. And so when you look at a veteran, um, they have that leadership capability. They have responsibility. They have um, uh, the ability to show up, 
do the job and do the job very well uh, if we begin to look at them a certain way. And sometimes the job description, hey, what is a you know a rifleman and all these different things? We don't display that correctly, yeah. but looking at their their their, their leaders and so, uh, but also being educated around if if there's a service connected disability how they're interacting with the VA. And so um, I had a case in point, uh, we had an organization, uh, a veteran-owned organization um, that hires a lot of veterans. And you would think they would understand this from a, um, a HR standpoint, but they didn't. They missed the boat on this. Mm. And veterans were calling off work uh, and consistently calling off work. No, And they didn't realize that they were having to call off because the VA was like, Hey, I can get you in for an appointment. And that veteran didn't know that, Hey, if I don't get in for this appointment, then I may not get another appointment for a month or two or three months. Mm. And so they're calling off work to get into this VA appointment. And so they're, this veteran owned company is saying, Hey, I need you here. I need you here. Well, mm-hmm. they're having to pick between work or a VA appointment. Yeah. So having those conversations with the businesses to understand that, they're not calling off for, you know, just any old reason in some cases is because for them, it is life or death getting into their VA appointment and, mm-hmm. and being that flexible yeah. around that. And so educating our, our business community, not only about hiring, but also just the dynamics that some of our veterans are facing around getting into the VA and getting their benefits and getting these things that could cause disruption within their uh, everyday work. Uh, lives. Let's talk, Tony, uh, and folks who are here, let's reset maybe, uh, folks who are chatting with Tony Kimbrough, and he's the CEO of Veterans Empowerment Organization. Um, t- Tony, let's talk uh, about just programming. I want to get, we've talked about housing, we've talked about workforce development and, and uh, uh, training, retraining. We've talked about um, both mental health and substance abuse um um, interventions. Talk about um, any other aspects of that that we missed. I guess I want to make sure we get it all because you do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, around programming, um, we are a housing first model. And so the, the ultimate objective is for a veteran to be able to sustain himself and not enter back into a state of homelessness, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where they're experiencing homeless again. And so everything to build up that veteran so that they never return. And that's why, um, so we, we work with financial literacy. And so we have partners like Truist and Cadence and uh, you name them, banks that come in and help facilitate uh, through our partner network. Um, financial literacy is, is one big example of how we help with on a program side. We have various therapies that we offer or partner with to provide therapies and mm-hmm. looking at another partnership with uh, hopefully uh, zoo Atlanta, where we could possibly do some, some therapies around mental health within our program aspect. Mm. Um, and so um, how to navigate housing, right? How do we go from the journey of a state of homelessness to possibly a renter to home ownership? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? How do we uh, begin to repair our credit and do these things so that we're on that path to, Ultimately, we would like to see our veterans get to home ownership and understanding their VA benefits around um, a veteran um, VA loan and what that entails. And that's a mega benefit for our, for our veterans. And so 
all of our program is really designed to provide these wraparound services while getting them to um, sustainable, um, independent living uh, on their journey. And mm-hmm. so that journey may look totally different for Tony Kimbrough than it does for, for John, uh, but we're there through case management to identify what that journey looks like and help them push that journey along uh, to success. Right. So one quick question on your housing, what's your capacity and what, like how many beds or whatever, how do you, how, how are you measure that? That's a great question. And, and that's one of the things that we have been looking to address. Um, so on our campus, we are in a, in a state of what we're calling a campus revitalization. And so, uh, which we're excited about, uh, we have four apartment buildings that we are converting to permanent affordable housing. There will mm. be two bedroom units. We just finished our, uh, one of our one of the four it has 14 efficiency apartments uh, where we'll house uh, female veterans, which we're excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the the other three will be two bedrooms where we can house um, uh, veterans families or uh, we have veterans that like to uh, share apartments. Mm-hmm. And so we'll look at that on a permanent side. So it'll be 54 units that we have created for permanent housing. Uh, on our program side, we've uh, kind of restricted down um, into uh, emergency housing and transitional housing, which will be about 50 beds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our goal is to transition uh, a veteran through that anywhere between, let's call it 30 days to 90 days. Those beds will turn over mm-hmm. uh, and allow for another veteran to, to come back um, into the program for a veteran to come off the streets into our program. Uh, where uh, a veteran can, you know, hopefully move into either our permanent housing or uh, our permanent housing network that we partner with to get to permanent housing. Our ultimate goal is to truly expand our campus into additional cities where we have a, you know, a small program center like we've created here where there's 50 beds, you know, helping veterans get on that journey, but Mm -hmm. also creating our own network of affordable housing um, so that veterans can, easily get into uh, affordable housing as you can aware as you know atlanta has a massive shortage of affordable housing i think it's somewhere in the neighborhood 150 to maybe 200,000 shortage of affordable housing yeah. in atlanta so that's right. who our, that our veterans are in that pipeline of fighting for that same um you know affordable housing as well and so we want to you know make a difference and uh, put a dent in that to where we can hopefully create some opportunity in, in that landscape for for veterans absolutely so as we wind down, I'd, I'd be remiss here, Tony, if I didn't get to how businesses can help. Obviously, you're looking for donations. I mean, you're you're a nonprofit, um, and folks will give you the website here in just a second, so you can go check out the website and and uh, hit that donate button. But um, beyond that, yeah, I think beyond that is um, there's that's a great question, and that's a that's an answer that I, I love sharing. And so uh, there's ways that uh, businesses connect. Uh, for one, let's let's hire our veterans. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, two, uh, please come down and volunteer and get to understand what um, what are some of the uh, challenges um, to hiring a veteran, but also uh, keeping them employed uh, and helping us. And we can help you with those tools. Uh, also volunteer just with resume writing and how to um be able to interact in that civilian space, you know, coming from a, you know, very structured and rigorous environment to, Hey, a civilian environment, how to, you know, navigate that. And so being able to come down and and volunteer in that space or uh, come down and volunteer, serve food to our veterans, understand 
uh, some of the, the, the issues and the things that got them into the space. And you'll see a variety of, of, of people and demographics and um, that, that got them in that space. And you become more aware uh, of it and being able to uh, help uh, bring awareness to the space, but also being a, an advocate in that space uh, for us. And so those, those are ways I think as we, you know, become responsible citizens and we think about our veterans, it's becoming wearing it's becoming aware of the issues our veterans are facing. Mm-hmm. And I think the best way to say thank you for your service is to understand what their service was all about and the challenges that they continue to face after service and being able to hold our um, our leadership and political officials and um, these organizations that support veterans accountable to upholding, hey, we're not going to leave any of you guys behind. Right. Uh, you're not going to leave a man or a woman behind on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. We're not going to leave you behind when you come home um, and on the on on the front of the home front of the U.S. We're going to be there for you, and that's the best way we can say thank you uh, for your service. Wow, inspiring. Uh, thank you so much, Tony. Uh, this has been awesome, and we we're just so grateful for the work you do. And for you and your and your colleagues um, that uh, you represent, so thank you for that. It's important work, and we appreciate you. Proud to serve. Yeah, thank you. And uh, but let's get to the most important question, though, which is how people can get in touch that are inspired by what you said and they want to get involved in some way. Yeah, please visit us at veo hero. So that's veo hero dot org. Uh, you can definitely, like John said, hit that donate button. Uh, recurring gifts monthly is is always a uh, a way to help us out and help us fulfill the, the, the program and the mission that we're trying to, to accomplish. So VEOHero.org. Also, if you'd like to volunteer, there's a volunteer button uh, where you can navigate to and we will you know be in touch with you to volunteer for various things that uh, you would like to get back and support our veterans. So thank you again. That, absolutely. Tony Kimbrough, folks, the CEO of Veterans Empowerment Organization. Tony, thanks again. Thank you, John. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder. If you are looking for a different kind of experience in your corporate team building activity, if you're looking for one that does not involve uh, twisted ankles and broken bones, I've got an idea for you. Uh, a Culinary Concepts, they're here in the, John, in the Johns Creek area. They've got a beautiful an award-winning culinary studio, they have a corporate team-building activity that's a lot of fun. And you you and your team stand around a stainless steel table and season meat and cut up vegetables, and you cook it together, and you eat it together, and it's just it's a tremendous experience, and it's memorable. If you want to know more, get in touch with Executive Chef Andrew Traub, 678 336 9196. He'll be glad to tell you more or go to asculinaryconcepts.com. And folks, North Fulton Business Radio, we're coming up on show number 500, and we are excited about that milestone, and we're going to be celebrating that milestone. Um, But if we would love it if you would subscribe to the show, and the way to find the show is North Fulton Business Radio on all your major podcast apps, if you'll use that search term. And if you have heard something here, and I can't imagine you haven't, that makes you want to share the show, please do. Um, we love it when people share the show with with uh, each other and uh, help us celebrate the great work of business community leaders like Tony 
who are doing great work and deserve to be celebrated and to be found. So for my guest, Tony Kimbrough, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.